Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on knowing Jesus. With a, with a, a tagline, and make him known. Okay, and so uh, this is our second part. Uh, I don't know how many parts I'll have in this series, but uh, just so you know, all of our teaching are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel. Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the message this morning without our advertisements. If you want to give, you can give to our website and whatnot, and all the information is there. And so uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. We're talking about knowing Jesus. Because of everything that we preach in this church, everything that we teach is centered around this theme of having a relationship with God, knowing Jesus. You know, I hear, I see, I read a lot of, of uh, what I consider religious uh, posts on Facebook. For example, and I see a lot of religion, and uh, I don't see a lot of a relationship with God. And I'm not wiping every post with that. <coughs> Excuse me. But I'm not so much concerned about your theology. I'm not so much concerned about a lot of different things. I, the number one thing I want to know is that you know Jesus, that you have a relationship with him. And we'll be talking about that in this series. We'll talk about that today. So, see, the greatest thing, we talked, let me just do a re, little recap from last week. The greatest thing in life, I mean, the very greatest thing in life is knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. The operative word there is a relationship because this word know is from Gnosko, and it's talking about a relationship with God. It's talking about intimacy with God. And we'll be looking at that in the scripture. Our, our key verse that we used last week, and I'm going to go back there again this morning, is that when Paul said this letter to Philippi, he said, Yeah, indeed, I also count all. <coughs> Excuse me, let me start over. Yeah, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus. My Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Paul, the Apostle Paul, this was not a backslider. This was not someone who was turning from God. This is not someone who was struggling with some addictive sin. This is someone who was well-educated, well-accomplished. He was the elite of the, of the religious class of his day. People looked up to him. People still look up to him. You and I, most of us in the, in the church today, have, have gleaned from his teachings. Most of us, our whole revelation of, on who Jesus is and the gospel is, it comes from the, the, the Apostle Paul. This is the man who wrote half of the New Testament, and he said his greatest accomplishment in life is to know Jesus Christ. Okay, And he considered everything else that he accomplished, even as the Apostle Paul. He, everything else, he considered it rubbish. The King James says it was done. In other words, Paul, all of his accomplishments that he, he accomplished in life, he put in the same category as manure. Okay? Compared to, compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so let's go back to New King James. Sorry. Um, we'll go back here real quick. So in other words, Paul, and we'll be getting, we'll get, we'll go deeper into this a little bit later. But Paul still wanted to know Jesus more. Even the, the same man who wrote, <coughs> excuse me, who wrote half of the New Testament, was still pursuing a relationship with God. In other words, he wasn't. He didn't just get saved. After he was converted on the way to Damascus and he, he received the Holy he got saved and received the Holy Spirit. He didn't just say, get saved and stop. He was still pursuing a relationship with God. He still wanted to know him more. Okay? And and so that, that that's that's what we're focused on. But in other words, Paul, and we'll get into this a little bit more later. Uh, starting next week, as we read more, get to more of Philippians chapter 3, as we read the, 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 the next verses, we read them last week, but we'll get into them a little more deeper next week. But Paul, 
tell them you haven't arrived yet. This is, same, this is the apostle Paul that we look up to. The same apostle by which most of us get our revelation of the gospel. Get our revelation of the New Testament. Get our revelation of God and Jesus Christ. He was still pressing onward to know Jesus Christ. Okay? And so, the man, again, you, I, I don't know if you're getting this. I don't know if you're getting the impact that I'm trying to, to portray in this message, in this series, is that there's a depth of knowing Jesus beyond just being saved. And being saved is the most important part. Okay? I'm, but there's, there's a depth to the salvation that most of us are not experiencing yet. Or, or we're experiencing hit and miss. Okay? And so another key verse that we use from the, the Church of Philippi was Paul's second prayer to the Church of Philippi. He said, and it's uh, Ephesians chapter 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, <coughs> excuse me, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes, or as the King James says, surpasses, okay, the knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is powerful in Paul's prayer. Paul wants us to know, and it's the same word where Mary says, how can this be since I've never known a man? Or from the from the Hebrew, which says how Adam knew his wife Eve. Okay, it's a different know than this intellectual knowledge, because to know the love of Christ surpasses this knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, and so and one says, I don't care how much theology you know, I want to know how much you know Jesus, and more. Importantly, I want you to know, how, I don't care so much how much you love God. I want to know how much you know His love for you. Because you can't love God. You can't love others. You can't love yourself until you first know His love. This is love, 1 John 4.10. It's not that you love Him, but that He loved you and became the propitiation for your sins. We love because He first loved us. So, if you're having a hard time loving God, if you're having a hard time loving others and yourself, then you have not received His love. Galatians says that faith works by love. And so if your faith is not working, you have a love problem. Because faith works by love. Okay? And so I want to know how much you know the love of Christ. And that you are intimate and excuse me, that you are experiencing the love of Christ. Not that you just have a knowledge of that. We need a knowledge. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, I think I even have that on the screen here in a few moments. But we need to know the love of Christ. We need to experience the love of Christ. And to the capacity that we know the love of Christ, we will be filled with the fullness of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologize. Oh, excuse me. So, um, I don't know about you, but how many of you want to be filled with the fullness of God? And if you are lacking, experiencing the fullness of God in your life, in any area, whether that be you're, you're toying with sin and addiction, whether that be healing or provision or wisdom and direction, or just experiencing the presence of God on a regular daily basis, if you're not experiencing the fullness of God in your life, if there's a lack of that, it all stems back to you knowing the love of Christ. Because if you know the love of Christ, you will, on a regular, consistent basis, experience the fullness of God. But if you're not experiencing the fullness of God, then you and I need to 
be honest in how we don't know God's love like we should. Because if we know God's love, if we're experiencing God, if we know Jesus like we should, we should be experiencing the fullness of God in every area of our lives. Okay? That's not a put down, but that's just the truth. You should know the truth and the truth will set you free. In other words, there's more to knowing Jesus than just becoming a Christian and becoming born again. There's more to knowing Jesus than avoiding hell. <coughs> and what I just said is essential. I'm not minimizing avoiding hell. I'm not minimizing becoming born again. That's worth preaching, and that is more, more important. I want you to become born again. I want you to go to heaven and not hell. But you know the best thing about heaven is? You have a relationship with God there, face to face. And the worst thing about hell is, God's not even there. There is no relationship with God there. And so, there's more to knowing Jesus than just go, going to heaven and not hell, and there's more than knowing Jesus and just saying a prayer, becoming born again, and you go the rest of your life with no relationship with him. That's religion. That's not relationship. Okay? And yet, multiple, multitudes around the world, in different denominations, in different walks of life, they are born again in the sense they know Jesus, they know about Jesus, and they receive Jesus. They didn't reject him. But there's no relationship. There's no relationship at all with them. See, they don't know God as the Redeemer. They might know that he redeems and that he provided redemption to them. For them through the cross. They don't know, but they don't know him as their redeemer. They don't know him as their savior. They know that he saves. And they've embraced that. But they don't know. And here we go, disconnected again. We did last week. Sorry about that. second we had this problem last week it's very connected We're going to have to come back on and start over. What? Just keep on going. Okay. Um, let me keep trying just for a second. I apologize about this. Alright, here we go. Hopefully. Alright, here we go. Good. Sorry about the interruption again. We had that interruption last week and we had it again this week. So let me get back to my thought. We, uh, uh, Sorry about that. That just was a major interruption. I don't mind. So, frustrating. But anyway, let me get back. There's a lot of people who know that Jesus saves. And they embrace that. But they're not experiencing salvation on a regular basis. Because we've already taught in this church from both the Hebrew and the Greek. The word saved. Sozo in the, in, in, in the, in the Greek. And in, in, uh, Yeshua in the Hebrew means holiness, healing. Prosperity, deliverance, and we can experience salvation in every area of our lives. The most important is that you go to heaven and not hell. The most important is that you receive Jesus and not reject him. And so that you have, uh, you go to heaven and that you're redeemed. But most people know that he is a savior, but they don't know him personally as 
in a relational way as your Savior. There's a lot of people that know Jesus as righteousness, but they don't have a relationship with the, the king of righteousness. They know Jesus heals, but <coughs> excuse me, they don't know him as their healer. In other words, let me paint the picture a little differently. We've had a lot of people through the years want healing, but they don't have they don't even care or even conceive the possibility of having a relationship with the healer. They want provision, prosperity, and we teach that, but they don't want a relationship with the provider. We're all about healing, we're all about provision, we're all about salvation, but the key and the, the cornerstone is a relationship with the Savior, a relationship with the healer, a relationship with the provider. It's a person. If all you're doing is getting healing to, to, to be healed and you want nothing, no relationship, you're selfish. If all you do is want to go to heaven and not hell, praise God, but if that's all you want and you don't want a relationship with him, then you're selfish. You're in the relationship only what you can get out of it, and you don't want a relationship with the person, Jesus Christ. Houston, we have a problem. Okay? And so, I'm, yes, going to heaven and not going to hell is essential. Yes, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is your provider. But the most important part is a relationship with him. Okay? And that's what I'm trying to get at. There's so many different avenues and, and, and attributes of who God is who Jesus is, and we can we can benefit from those attributes of God, but we need a relationship with Him. We need to know Him. We need to relay with Him. We need to experience God on a regular basis. I didn't just marry my wife for intimacy and attached status or any other benefit I might get from that. It was for companionship. It was for relationship. Which to me is the heart of marriage, of any relationship. Okay? So I'm hoping I'm making, I'm painting the picture here of, of what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. See, Christianity, Christianity, is more than just being saved, and that's essential. It's knowing Jesus. Christianity, Christianity, is more than obedience, and I believe in the, the importance of obedience and repentance, but it's about knowing Jesus. If you repent from sin, but you never repent to Jesus, what did you gain? Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? Okay? There's more to Christianity than just avoiding hell, and that is essential, but Christianity is about knowing Jesus. There's more to Christianity than living holy. And the grace of God will teach you to live a godly life. And the only thing that can make you holy is the blood of Jesus. But there's more to Christianity than just being moral and godly and holy and righteous. It's knowing Jesus. There's more to Christianity than just being healed. And praise God, by his stripes, we were healed. But Christianity is about knowing Jesus. There's more to Christianity than prosperity. And I can preach that to the cows come home. And anyone who preaches that God does not prosper us doesn't know the, the Bible very well. Because I can teach this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not even a New Testament concept. It's even the Old Testament concept. But... There's more to Christianity than provision, prosperity, and that's knowing Jesus. There's more to Christianity than just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about knowing Jesus. See, the church has taught well that Jesus came to die for our sins so that you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven and not hell. And they have taught that well. And that is essential. And that's worth preaching. That's worth teaching. That's, worth, that's more than we deserve. Okay? It's a great benefit. 
one of the main cornerstones of what we believe and what we teach. But there's much more than just being saved, going to heaven, and avoiding hell. That is worth preaching, that is worth teaching. We preach that, we agree with that. But there's much more. The key to Christianity is knowing Jesus, is knowing and experiencing God on a personal level. There's more to Christianity than just living godly. There's more to Christianity than just going to heaven. There's more to Christianity than just repentance. There's more to Christianity than just going to church. And I believe in going to church. There's more to Christianity than just reading your Bible. And, and I believe going to church and reading your Bible are key to a relationship with God. So don't get me wrong. What I'm, what I'm trying to point out, there's more to Christianity than just a bunch of do's and don'ts. And a, and a bunch of ordinances. And a bunch of things that we should do. We don't do those because we please God. We do those because we want a relationship with God. Okay? I don't take my wife out on dates because I'm trying to press her. I take her out on dates so we can have a good time together relationally. Okay? We want to do stuff together. We want to live life together. Okay? And so that's the, and so the key to Christianity the cornerstone of Christianity is knowing Jesus. Relationally. To know Him. That can be filled with the very fullness of God Himself. The, Am <coughs> the Amplified says this first. He says, so we can experience the God. I, I'm trying to quote the Amplified, but I'm having a hard time quoting the Amplified. To overflowing with God Himself. That's what it says. Okay? And then the very next verse says, verse 20. Alright. It's going to be a little difficult with me today. Sorry about the screen. Well, we just have to do it this way, okay? So I apologize about that. But now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, but of all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay? And so, when you experience the fullness of God... What does, the, what does the fullness of God look like? It looks like this. It looks like him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. What power? God! You can't get more powerful than the fullness of God. If you have the fullness of God in you, that power is working to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. God is working. He's in there. He's not just dormant. He's not just on a couch potato. Okay? God is in you living. He's a living God. And he is able to do exceedingly more than you could ever ask or even imagine. I don't know about you, but I have a very wild, vivid imagination. Just ask my wife. Okay? And so, when you experience the fullness of God, you're going to see God doing things. Because that's what the fullness of God looks like. But where does that come from? Where does that stem from? It stems from knowing Him. If you don't know Him, you're not going to have the fullness of God, and you're not going to experience all these great things that God can do in our life. And that's why Hosea says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Okay? Now I want to pick up where we left off last week. I picked up last week by going to John 3.16. And it's a, we know most of us know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. The goal of Christianity is not the forgiveness so that we don't perish. I'll address that in just a moment. The goal of Christianity is that we would have everlasting life. Sin was in the way. We were alienated from the life of God. And so Jesus came to become our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. So Jesus perished for us so that we could have everlasting life. Forgiveness was essential, but forgiveness was needed so that we could have everlasting life. The goal was everlasting life. Okay? So, intimacy with Jesus is what salvation is all about. Forgiveness of sins is not the point of salvation. Jesus died to purchase forgiveness for our sins, and that was essential. But for unforgiveness blocked this intimacy, this everlasting life that I'm going to go into with God. Sin was an obstacle between God and us. And sin had to be dealt with, otherwise we were going to perish. <clears throat> and sin had to be dealt with, and it was dealt with in Jesus Christ. Okay? And anyone, but anyone who views salvation as just forgiveness is is missing out on this, what eternal salvation, or what eternal life is all about. Let me, let me explain some of this a little bit more deeper. For God so loved the world that he gave his only God and said that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, what's everlasting life? Everlasting life is, according to the words of Jesus, if this is eternal life, that you may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus, John 17, 3, Jesus just before he goes to the cross. And Jesus gives us, tells us what eternal life is. He says, this is eternal life, that you would know God. And Jesus Christ, whom God sent. That's eternal life. So eternal life is not just the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins was essential. It was needed because sin was a barrier. And we had to be forgiven of that sin to have everlasting life. But what's everlasting life? What's eternal life? Everlasting life, eternal life are used interchangeably. Okay, I can, I can prove all that out if you need that proof. But everlasting life, eternal life, is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. That's the benefits. And that's a very essential benefit. When it's worth preaching, worth teaching, it's more than we deserve. But eternal life is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. Eternal life is knowing God. Is knowing Jesus. Okay. The most important thing about going to heaven is that you get to have a relationship with God face to face. But you can experience that same relationship, maybe not face to face, but you can experience that same eternal life now. Because now is the day of salvation. Okay, let me just give you some supporting verses hopefully these will help too. In John 5, 24, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him, <coughs> excuse me, who sent me, has everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe his word and believe in him, Jesus, you have this everlasting life. You have this eternal life. It shall not come into the judgment, but have passed from death into life. Okay? Have passed from death to life. What's life? Well, John says, uh, Jesus, in him was life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Life is not just going to heaven. Life is not just eternal life in the sense that uh, heaven. Eternal life is knowing God. And life, and sorry we lost the connection, we're just going to have to preach it without it. 
Life is knowing Jesus. Life is God. Life is Jesus. Okay? And so we have to experience that. Um, in 1 John 5, 13... It says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. These things I have written to you I want to read it again. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. We need to know that we have eternal life. And what's eternal life? Knowing Jesus. We need to know intellectually that we have a relationship with God. Because what's, what's eternal life? A relationship with God. And you, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Okay, let's get another scripture here. And you shall know the truth, John 8, 32, and the truth will set you free. When you know this truth, when you know what eternal life is, when you know what the goal of Christianity is, a relationship with God, this truth will set you free. It'll set you free in every area of your life. Because God is not there. God is here. He's with us. Emmanuel. God with us. And we can have not a religion with God. We can have a relationship with God. And that is eternal life. Okay? John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow, excuse me, they follow me. We're his sheep. He's our shepherd. He knows us. We can know him. There's a relationship through there, and we can trust him as our shepherd, as our king, and as our God. I'm hoping this is helping. See, salvation... Salvation was intended to be presented as a way back into harmony with God. Are you following me? Salvation was intended to be presented as, a, as the way, because Jesus is the way, and back into a relationship with God, back into harmony with God. Sin through Adam separated us from God. We were separated. One of the greatest tragedies that happened through the fall is that man became alienated from the life of God. Okay? Well, but pastors throughout the Old Testament, God talked with man, man talked with God. Yes, that did happen. But it didn't happen in the same way it did before the fall. Where God walked with them in the cool of the day. Where God had a, a personal relationship with Adam, with man, with Eve. There was a difference between the relationship with God before the fall and how God related to man after the fall until Jesus came. But Jesus restored that relationship as if Adam never sinned. On the same planet that Adam was before the fall. See, salvation was intended to be presented as a way to come back into relationship with God, but instead it's been preached as a way to escape the problems of life and escape the judgment of hell. Yes, Jesus can help you escape the problems of life now. And yes, Jesus can help you escape the judgment of God later in hell. That's true. I'm not dismissing that. I'm not trying to water that down. Jesus can help you escape the, the crises of life now, and Jesus can help you escape judgment of hell later. But the problem is, it's not like that's not true. That is true. We preach that. We teach that. We commend that. We applaud that. We say amen to that. Okay? But the problem is, that's where people stop. That's all they teach. They only teach that Jesus is the solution for problems now, 
and Jesus is the solution to go to heaven and not hell. That's all they teach. That's all they talk about. That's the only thing they talk about. That's the problem. That's true. Jesus is the escape. Jesus is that salvation for whatever you need now. You need healing? He, 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 he provided it through the cross. You need provision? He provided it through the cross. You need wisdom? He provided that through the cross. Whatever you need, he provided that. You want to go to heaven, not hell? He provided that through the cross. But that's not the only thing he provided. Okay? It is, I believe it's possible to become born again with that type of thinking of Jesus is my way to heaven and not hell, and Jesus is my escape from whatever I'm going through. I believe you can get born again with that type of thinking. So I'm not watering that down. But most people only view God as one who can help them in their time of crisis. But they don't know him. <coughs> I hope I'm painting this picture right for you. That God is, Jesus, through Jesus Christ, we get to go to heaven and we don't avoid hell. Yes, Jesus is your answer for salvation and whatever you need, healing, provision, wisdom, whatever you need. You need to be set free from, from addictions, from sin. Jesus is your answer. Okay? But Jesus is not only here to help you in your time of crisis. The most important thing that Jesus wants is that he wants a relationship with you. He's not just your hero. He's not just your rescuer, even though he is. He's not just your savior, even though he is. He's not just your Lord. He's your savior and your Lord. He's Lord and savior. He's your king and he's your God. But this God, this king, this, his majesty, wants a relationship with you. A lot of you know what God can do. A lot of you know what Jesus has done. But many of you don't know him. Don't have a relationship with him. Okay? And I'm not saying that to put you down. I'm just saying, we need to get back to the basics. Yes, go to heaven and not hell. Yes, reject come to his mercy and, and his throne of grace to receive mercy in your time of need. Yes, Jesus is the answer for everything you need. I'm not, I'm not, yes. Amen, 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 amen. But through it all, don't just get healing, have a relationship with the healer. Don't just get provision, have a relationship with the provider. Don't just get salvation, but have a relationship with the Savior. Have a relationship with God. Okay? Preaching forgiveness and repentance is true. It's essential. But preaching it instead of a relationship with God. Is wrong. It's religion. Forgiveness is essential. Repentance is essential. And they are essential to a relationship with God. You can't have a relationship with God without forgiveness. You can't have a relationship with God without repentance. So they're essential. You can't bypass Repentance. You can't bypass forgiveness. But in and of itself, it's not eternal life. It's the means to give you eternal life. Repentance is not eternal life. Forgiveness is not eternal life. They are needed. They are necessary. They are essential to receive eternal life. But they're not eternal life itself. Eternal life is a relationship with God. Jesus did not die out of pity for your eternal doom or impending doom. He died because he loved you. Again, 1 John 
3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For God so loved the world. We know that verse so, so much that we don't even take time to read it the way it's supposed to be read. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him, his Son that he so loved again, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is love. I've already quoted it, but First John 4, 10. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Okay. Jesus died to reconcile you and me back into a right relationship with God. That's called righteousness. What I just gave you was a definition of righteousness. Jesus died to reconcile you, to reconcile you back into a right relationship with God. That's righteousness. Jesus died to restore you into a relationship with God. The original reason why he created mankind. See, a relationship with God was the original reason why God even created man. Excuse me. If you go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, you'll see how that, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. This is right after the fall. But it was a common practice. It was a common thing. For God to walk literally with man in a literal garden in the cool of the day. God created man for companionship. Another privilege from Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. I'm reading from the King James. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are, and they were created. God created us for his pleasure. God didn't have to create us. This is not something God was mandated to do. But God created us for a relationship. God created us for his pleasure. Man messed that up in the fall. But God restored that through his son so that he could have a relationship with us for his pleasure. And so that he, like with Adam, could walk with us in the cool of the day and walk by our side. See, the early church, they lived a relationship with God. They proclaimed Jesus as the only way to obtain this relationship. Jesus himself in John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the, the truth, and Jesus is the life, and him was life. Okay, so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you don't have a relationship with God, you are not experiencing life. You're not experiencing the meaning of life, the purpose of life. That life is not you. Leads the way to that life. John 17, 6. I mean, Acts 17, 6 says, but and they, talking about the apostles, or no, excuse me, talking about the religious leaders, and, but when they did not find them, the apostles, they dragged Jason and, and, and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I forget why I'm using this scripture, but there was something about relationship with God that was not only experienced by the early apostles in the early church, but it was also experienced by the known world at the time. So much that those who hated Christ dragged out people and said, these, because these people, these apostles of a relationship with God were turning the world upside down from Jesus Christ. 
And yet, we today, and most churches, most, most pastors, are more occupied with sin and its effects in our lives. And are more, we're more occupied with hell on earth instead of relationship with God. Is sin wrong? Yes. Is sin stupid? Yes. Is sin deadly? Yes. Is it okay to sin? No. Are some people experiencing hell on earth? Yes. What's the solution to that? Jesus. We're so focused on the problem that we're not even focused on the solution. And the problem is there. And I'm not dismissing that we don't have a problem in some lives and some churches and some people with sin and hell on earth in some situations. But I'm here to magnify the solution. And that solution, folks, is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The solution to your hell on earth, whatever that may be, is a relationship with God. If you're having a sin problem, the solution to your sin problem is to walk in a relationship with God. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 You don't control the flesh by the flesh. You control the flesh by the Spirit of God. Temperance. <coughs> temperance is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Temperance is not the fruit of the flesh. You don't control sin by the flesh. You control sin by the nature of God. By the Spirit of God. By Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Him. If you focus all of your energy on a relationship with God, you're not going to have a sin problem. You're not going to have a hell on earth problem. Whatever your problem is, it will be resolved out of the overflow of that relationship with God. Because I, I can go right back to our, one of our key verses in Philippians. I'm sorry I can't get it on the screen this morning. But when you know God, when you know the love of Christ, you'll be filled with the very fullness of God. If you are filled with the very fullness of God, you're not going to have a sin problem. You're not going to have a, a hearing problem, a health problem. But if you're not experiencing the fullness of God in some area of your life, whether that be sin, sickness, or something else, what's the key? What's the antidote? What's the, what's the problem? What's the, what's the solution? Get back to knowing God. Focus on knowing the love of Christ. And He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think according to His power that is our work. It's not dormant in us. See, many people, both in the world and also in many churches, are just fed up with religion. Because most people, and I'm talking about even Christian religion, and so I'm like, whoa, that's a little much. Because Christianity is not a, relation, a religion. Every time that comes up with anybody, I will always argue that point. That's a pet peeve of mine. Christianity, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Because religion is dead. Religion is empty. Religion is man-made. Religion is a counterfeit. It's a fake. It's a card. Christianity is not a religion of any kind. It's a relationship with the living God. Okay? And many people are fed up with religion. And since I was a child, even in my young age, I hated religion. I might not put in those words because I didn't know how to, how to express that. I didn't know how to, to, to uh, identify that. But there was just something about many churches. I'm just like, man, I hate that. It's just phony. 
I remember when I got on fire for God in, in high school, I said, Lord, I just don't, I hate phony. In a lot of churches, I just see phony, 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 phony baloney. I just hate it. And I'm not going to be like that. But many people are fed up with religion. And I teach against religion in this church. I will teach it against it. I hate religion. I hate fake. Okay? But I'm here to preach to you about having and experiencing the fullness of God. I want to say that again. I'm here to preach and teach and to, and to present to you this morning that you can experience the fullness of God. And that is not empty. That is not dead. That is not dry. That is not fake. That is not phony. That is more real than the flesh you can pinch on your own skin. Because, again, a relationship with God Again, I'm going to echo Paul's prayer from Ephesians. For this reason, I now with my niece to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the Spirit and the inner man. I want you to be strengthened in your inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you're being rooted and grounded. I want you to be so established in this love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. That you would know the full dimension of God's love. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Okay? And so, again, I'm here to preach a relationship with God. I'm here to preach knowing Jesus. I'm here to preach experiencing the fullness of God. Because everything else, like Paul said in his letter to Philippi, it's just done. It's just manure. Because anything else compared to true Christianity, anything else more, <coughs> anything, excuse me, in addition to, or more than just experiencing the relationship with God, is to me, like Paul, done. It's worthless. It's rubbish. It's manure. It's in the same category as me mucking the stalls. Okay? But only a relationship with Jesus can provide these things. What things? Who, him who is able to exceed me. Abundantly more we ever ask or imagine. Only a relationship with God can get you to experience the fullness of God. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if that does not get your fire lit, your wood is wet. I don't, I'm not here to play church. Yeah, I'm having technical challenges and different things. I got this nagging cough from asthma that needs to go in Jesus' name. But we're here to be the church. We're here to do church. And we can't do church any other way than to experience the very fullness of God. I'm not here to play Christian. I'm not here to just, I don't do all these teachings just to, to make a name for myself. Almost 0% of you even support this ministry financially anyway, and that's not a complaint, that's just a fact. I'm not doing this for the money. I have another job, actually multiple jobs, to help support myself and my family so I can provide these messages. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because what God's called me to do, and God's called me to preach His gospel, and God's called me to preach a relationship with God. Because I want you to experience the fullness of God. And I want you to experience everything God's provided to you through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because everything else to me is just a bunch of junk, but just a bunch of poop. 
Okay? And so, I can use that because Paul used to use a different phraseology for that, that word, but it's just a bunch of manure. Okay? And yet, most people, they receive salvation, praise God. Praise God. And yet, they, then they struggle the rest of their lives without experiencing intimacy with Jesus. They're saved, but they're stuck. They're saved, but their lives don't look any different than the rest of the world. You know, that wasn't the testimony of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the patriarchs of the Old Testament. And that was before the law, but still in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. There was something about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph that stood out in their health and their prosperity and different things. So much that the Philistines envied them. They were different. There was something about the early church that they were different they dragged them out because they were turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Is there something different about you that people envy because you're experiencing the fullness of God? Not because you're just ticking them off. There's a difference. How many of you know you can preach the gospel the wrong way? How many of you know you can get this, this word and just preach down people's throats? And if that's the way you do it, you're out of line. You're, misrep you're misrepresenting the testimony of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, if I preach like angels and I have not loved, I'm nothing. If you do all these things that you can do, speak in tongues and all these different things, but you don't have love, you're nothing. Okay? I don't want to preach another message right now. I want to keep, it, keep where I'm at right now. And so, but I want you to experience the fullness of God. I want you to experience knowing Jesus and making him known. That's the title of this message. But a lot of people, they receive salvation, and then they struggle through life without experiencing God. They're saved and they're stuck. Because they're ignoring the most important reason why Jesus died. And that is to give them a relationship with God. Jesus, did, Jesus died, yes, so you can go to heaven and not hell. Yes, Jesus died to give you forgiveness. Yes, Jesus died so that you can have healing and holiness and prosperity. But the main reason why Jesus died and rose again is so that you can have a relationship with God. That's the main reason. And if you have healing but no relationship with God, you're missing the whole point of salvation. If you have prosperity but you don't have a relationship with God, you're missing the whole point of salvation. If you go to heaven and not hell and you don't have a relationship with God, you're missing the whole point of even going there. Because if you don't like spending time with God now, what are you going to do when you see Him face to face? And that's all you do. Okay? And so, we, Jesus came to give us eternal life. And eternal life is a relationship with God. Because it's in this relationship with God, eternal life, That we, that we have life. That we live and move and we have our being, as Paul would say. Okay? But struggling, saved but miserable, saved and stuck, is where most Christians, or many Christians, live. And that's not life. 
that is not how God intended us to live, and that is not how why Jesus went to the cross just so you could be saved and stuck. Okay? And many Christians, and again, I'm not trying to put people down, but I'm trying to preach the truth to set you free. Many people are missing the purpose of life. They're missing the purpose of the fullness of God. They're missing the purpose of salvation. And they're missing eternal life. His eternal life is knowing Jesus. Because in him, John 1, 4, was life. And the life was the light of man. A relationship with God is the main goal. See, I said some of this earlier, but I want to echo it again. If all you do is avoid hell, if don't, let me say, rephrase that. If the only reason why you want to be saved is to go to heaven and not hell, and you want nothing else, you're selfish. Going to heaven and not hell is a great benefit. And don't get me wrong, you don't want to go to hell. But if that's all we preach, and that's all we, the only reason why we want to get saved, we're selfish because all we care about what we get out of it. There's no relationship. That's not eternal life. Okay? If the only reason why you want to be healed... Or let me rephrase it again. If the only reason why you want God in your life or want to come to God or come to church or listen to something like this so that you get healed, if the only reason you want to get healed, if you're sick, I want to see you healed. Healing is here. Freedom is here. Jesus already provided for you through the finished work of the cross. But if that's all you want and you don't want a relationship with the healer, you just want healing, you're selfish. That's not a relationship. If the only reason why you want to come to God and want to, to, to come to church is to, to have provision and prosperity in your life, it's available to you. I can preach that to the cows come home, and we do preach it a lot in this church. But that's all, all you want is the provision and not the, a relationship with the provider, then you're selfish. The only reason why Sherry and I, we want a lot of provision so we can do a lot for the kingdom of God. You think we want more than that? Well, you're bearing false witness because that's not true. If the only reason why you want to live godly is so that you can try to impress God and impress other people, you're selfish. Because out of a relationship with God, you want to live like God. Not for selfish reasons, not to impress God, but it just comes out of the overflow of your relationship with God. You know, when I when you see a new couple in love or a new friendship that just developed, you hear that person talking about that person all the time, and they want to be just like the other person, not to impress them, but because they love them. I just want to be like them. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be godly, godlike, because I just love him. I just think he's awesome. And it comes out of a relationship with God. Not trying to impress him. If I already have a relationship with God, I don't need to impress someone I already have a relationship with. That's backwards. That's like me getting married to my wife and impressing her after I get married. It's just backwards. Okay? Yet most people, knowing Jesus, this whole idea of knowing Jesus relationally, is not even on the radar. Most people, a relationship with God, that concept of relationship with God, is not even on the radar. It's not something they even talk about or even think about. Some people have never been taught. And, we, and I say this because Sherry and I have been around and we've been to a lot of churches, talked to a lot of people through the years, just being conversational. 
Okay? And a lot of people have told us through the years from many different churches, many different backgrounds, many different countries, including our own, including America, that they've never even been taught the concept of a relationship with God. It's never been... <coughs> And because that's true, it's never been thought, it's never been sought, it's never been pursued, because it's just a foreign concept. They're born again, and they receive Jesus, but they've never been taught a relationship with God. And my, my question is, what have you been taught? Okay? And because it's not a concept that many people have been taught or sought, they're not pursuing it. Like Paul says, I consider everything else done, manure, compared to knowing Jesus. They're not experiencing God. They're not experiencing the fullness of God. They're not walking with God in that, in, on that level, on that intimacy. They're just doing, they're just going through the motions. And I'm not getting on their case, especially if they've never been taught it. You can't embrace something you've never been taught. But if we're not teaching a relationship with God, pastors and teachers, because I know a lot of you are listening, what are you preaching? Are you preaching a Christian religion? Are you preaching a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Because Paul said he considered everything done compared to knowing Jesus. And if you're preaching anything but knowing Jesus, then you're just preaching a bunch of done. According to Paul. And I say that because I've done it myself. Before I had this whole concept a few, uh, a decade or two ago, I was preaching the wrong message. I took, I took all my takes and all my teachings, and I had a huge, I don't know, 55-gallon trash can, and I think I filled at least two of them up. With all my notes and teachings, I was preaching the wrong message. I've been there. I'm not pointing a finger anywhere and I can't point myself in my past. But the number one reason why we're here, the number one reason why we do everything we do, is to teach a relationship with God. And there's a lot of posts, I don't respond to all of them, but on Facebook, sometimes when I hear religion, and I just can't help but say, I'll say something to the effect of a relationship with God. Folks, we're here preaching about Jesus. And even John in the book of Revelation, the book wasn't about end time events, even though it included that. The whole book was. And it starts with Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. This is a revelation of Jesus. And in these last days, our job is to reveal Jesus. Our job is to make discipleship, disciples and baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So they can have the fullness of God and knowing Him fully. Excuse me. I'm done a little early. We had a few technical difficulties. I'm sorry I didn't have the verses on the screen like I normally do. Two weeks in a row we've had some technical challenges. So hopefully we'll get that fixed. Um, but I'm here to preach Jesus. I'm here to preach knowing Jesus. And making him known. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Amen.